the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Romans chapter 4, we're going to talk about the new covenant, sin, and the law. And there's actually a progression there that has purpose. Sin came before the law because from the time of Adam forward, every man that was ever born was born into sin. The law came much later. But man didn't recognize sin for what it was until the law came. Now the interesting thing is that God gave the promise... Before the law. He gave the promise before man ever understood their need for it. I'm thinking God had a plan. He gave the answer before the question was ever asked. Now, that's the reality of having Christ as your life. As Christ is your life, you have the answer before the question has ever been asked. You walk in the confidence that that life has already met every challenge, every obstacle, every difficulty, and has a plan for you to walk through it with Him. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You will walk through it. That's a guarantee. But you'll walk through it in the nurture, the protection, and the love of Christ. That's the plan. Now, let's look at Romans 4.13. Romans chapter 4 Verse 13, For the promise to Abraham, or his posterity, that he should inherit the world, did not come through observing the commands of the law, but through righteousness, the righteousness of faith. Now, it's clear that God promises to give the whole earth, the whole inheritance to Abraham and his descendants, and that that promise was not based on obedience to the law. The truth of that promise is realized in relationship. It's realized through faith. It's not to be realized by the law. And for years, for centuries, the Jews and others had misinterpreted the purpose of the law. And you know what? It's kind of like combing your hair with a claw hammer. If you misinterpret the purpose of the hammer and use it to comb your hair, you're going to be in a lot of hurt. And you'll be constantly asking, Lord, could you just teach me how to comb my hair with a claw hammer? Could you just show me how to style my hair with a claw hammer? And God says that was never the purpose of the claw hammer. Well, that was what was going on with the Jew. 
They had totally misinterpreted the purpose of the law, and they had misinterpreted to their own end. The promise is a reference, actually, to the covenant God made with Abraham. Now, I've, I've talked to you guys about that before, and that covenant is made in Genesis chapter 15. And what's going on there is that Abram has just returned from defeating the five armies that had come in and looted Sodom and Gomorrah and kidnapped his nephew. And upon Abram's return, he comes back with all of this loot and booty, and not just the loot from Sodom and Gomorrah, but wherever else these kings have been, and, and their own riches. He comes back with all of that, and the king of Sodom looks at him and says, Look, just return to me, my people, and you can keep the wealth. Now this is a testimony to Abram's faith. Remember, Abram was a guy that left his home to follow a God that he didn't know, literally gave himself to this God, and followed him across the country, took up everything, and left. And he gets out there, and, he, and God gives him a land, and he sits in the land, and he divides the land up with his nephew, and his nephew goes over to Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's where... He was kidnapped. So this king says, Abram, you can take this. You can take the loot and leave the people. And Abram says, no. He raises his hand towards heaven and he says, God forbid that I take one thread from you, one shoelace from you, that you may say that I made Abram rich. Let me tell you something. Abram was determined that God will fulfill His will in his Abram's life, not man. Abram was determined that he would live in dependence upon God, not upon man. He was determined to preserve the testimony of God's sustenance, the testimony of God's protection, the testimony of the truth of his relationship with God. Now, you know what? I know that the Spirit of God came upon Abram at that point. Because I'm going to tell you, Abram's flesh and blood like the rest of us at that point. That's all. He didn't have the Spirit of God within him. In fact, he'd tried it his own way on several occasions. But at this point, there's an illustration made that Abraham was not going to be dependent upon man, but upon God himself. And at that point, King says, fine, he walks away. And then the word of the Lord later that night comes on Abram when he's in his tent. That's the way they put it in the Old Testament. The word of the Lord comes upon you. Now what that means is back then they didn't have the Spirit of God within them, so the word of the Lord came upon them. Do you see a determination in God to communicate with His people? To be intimate with His people? Do you see that? I mean, He, he literally comes upon this frail flesh... And he speaks to him. And uh, Abram is laying in his tent. And he says, God says to him, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield, your abundant compensation, and your reward shall be exceedingly great. He speaks to Abram. Now, remember that Abram has already been promised of God that his seed should be like the sands of the seashore, the stars in the heaven, okay? So Abram responds, and I, you know, we have the King James Version, but I kind of think it went something like this. Great, but who will I leave it to? Who am I going to leave it to? I don't have an heir. I still, get this, I still 
have no heir. I have no heir to leave this to. And then God takes him outside and says, Look to the stars. So shall your heirs be. And then the Bible makes an interesting comment. It says, right after that, Abram believed God and it was attributed to him, credited to him as righteousness. Now, the reason that's interesting to me is because right after he believes God, then he asks God for a sign. It's not, Lord, prove it to me and I'll believe. It's, Lord, I believe, now show me. Now, I usually have that order reversed, don't you? But not Abram. He says, I believe you, Father. He puts his trust in God, and then he asks God for a sign. And God responds, in effect, by telling him to prepare a covenant ceremony. Now, we've talked about the covenant ceremony before. It's a pretty bloody affair. What they do is literally take the sacrificial animals, and they cut them in half. And they lay one half on one side of a path, and one half on the other side of the path. And the blood is strewn across the path, all the way to the end. And Abram prepares this pathway of blood, and usually the way the covenant works is that the two parties involved in the covenant would walk together along this path of blood, symbolizing or signifying or making a pledge before God in the covenant that they will fulfill the terms of the covenant. And a covenant is not like a contract, because in a contract you say, I will do this if you will do that. But in a covenant you say, I will do this. Period. That's why marriage is called a covenant. It's not called a contract. Divorce really takes away from the truth of marriage because in a marriage you say, I am going to do this. I'm going to love you. I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to do all of these things regardless of what you do. Well, most people don't go there. They think it's a contract and say, well, you know, if you're not going to treat me right, then I don't, I'm not going to stick around. That's a contract. Getting back to it, he sets his pathway of blood, and the plan is, for most covenant ceremonies, is that at a certain time, the two parties would join together and they would walk down the pathway of blood, signifying their pledge to the covenant. But an interesting thing happens. It doesn't work the way Abram probably expected it to. Abram lays out the sacrificial animals as directed by the Lord. And then in verse 12 of Genesis 15, a great sleep falls upon him. Then in verse 17, God walks down that pathway alone. Now why do I bring this up? Because what Paul is referring to in the promise, the promise is based on the covenant. And the covenant is based on God alone. God alone fulfilled the covenant. God alone instigated the covenant, initiated the covenant, and God alone maintained the covenant. He put Abram to sleep and he walked it alone. Paul says, this righteousness is not attained by fulfilling the law. It's attained by faith in the God of the covenant who walked the pathway of blood alone. It's based on what God did. This is the truth of the covenant. It's based in our God who is the covenant keeper. And all Abram's responsibility was in this thing was to believe. 
You know, from the beginning, it was a covenant of faith. It was never based in man or kept by man. It is God's covenant with man. And God knows who we are. He knows what we're made of. He's not putting us into a contract that He knows good and well we can't keep. He put us in a covenant that would be completely dependent upon Him keeping it. That's the relationship we're in. That promise would be fulfilled in Christ, who would be the descendant of Abraham, and through whom the whole world would be offered the gift of salvation, as many as the stars of the heavens. Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify, declare righteous, put in right standing with Himself, the Gentiles in consequence of faith, proclaimed the gospel, foretelling the glad tidings of a Savior long beforehand to Abraham in the promise, saying, In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. You see, the heir of the world means that Abraham would be the father of faith for all who would choose to believe. And that's the key. We choose. By faith we enter in the righteousness of God based on the finished work of Christ. And there's no way that we could enter into that righteousness through the law. You see, the righteousness of God is not a treasure to be won or a commodity to be purchased. The righteousness, as I've said before, is literally the character of God Himself. It cannot be earned. The only way that God could impute to you, the only way that God could literally give you that righteousness, call you righteous, would be to somehow give you Himself. Does that make sense? You received His righteousness through His life. You didn't receive it through anything that you did. By faith, you were birthed into righteousness. Because by faith, through Christ... Now, I want you to notice the words here. Through Christ. Remember what you had to do to fulfill the covenant? You had to walk through the sacrifice. You had to walk through the blood. Through Christ, it has been fulfilled. The only way we could be righteous was through His life. John 14.6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, the life, that way, that path. And no one comes to the Father except by, and the Amplified puts over there, through me. Through me. Acts 4.12 says, And there is a salvation in and through no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by and which we must be saved through Christ. Now listen, the enemy wants everybody to believe that there are many ways to God. Okay? Of course, nobody takes the trouble to ask what God we're talking about. But they always say there are many ways to God. And there's really many little G's out there if you want to pursue them. But listen, Christian, you have the only God that wants intimacy with man. You have the only God who did everything for you. You have the only God who desires your love and your life, not your complete, absolute, 
undying obedience to whatever His whim may be. You know, every other God in this world has to be served. Every other God in this world has to be maintained. Every other God in this world has to be literally kept up with because if you don't, you're done. It's up to you to uphold that God. Look at the gods of this world. They demand that their people meet a criteria. That they live to unbelievable conditions. That they give unbelievable things. Look at, the, look at what some of the monks are doing. It's just horrendous what they give. Listen, I want to tell you something. Look at your own life. And look at some of the gods you served. And look at some of the things you've put on the altar. There's only one true God. He is the only one that would make a covenant with you that's not dependent upon your behavior, but dependent upon His, His faithfulness. Choose the other gods, if you will. Wear their chains. Bear their lacerations. You think it makes you free? You think that it gives you choice? Not really. There's no freedom. Only bondage and captivity and those things. You see, the issue with the Jews is the same as with every man. They wanted a God that they could control through their behavior. That's the bottom line. There's no other way to our God and His covenant is kept by Him. We are saved by faith and we live by faith. Romans chapter 1 verse 17. This is the life story of a Christian. From beginning to end. For in the gospel of righteousness, which God ascribes, is revealed. I want you to think of that righteousness as being a life. Both springing from faith, being birthed, and leading to faith, the path, the life that you were birthed into, disclosed through the way of faith, that's living, and arouses to more faith, the results of living As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. That's a Christian's testimony. We don't live by the law. We don't live by any other standard save Jesus Christ. We live by faith in the life that we possess, the life that He has placed in us. This saving faith is an extension of the covenant. It is a complete reliance upon God to fulfill what He has promised to do. It is how we are birthed into this new life, and it is how we participate in this new life. And you know what? That's the key of it. That's the key of it. I keep saying this over and over again because I need it to sink home in your soul and mine too. But the truth of this life is that we live it by faith and faith is not just believing. It is stepping forward and participating in the work and life and presence of your God. That's what makes the Christian life active for you. So many Christians are like, are like people that go to the dance and stand along the walls and never jump in. They're there. The dance is going on. It's not going to stop. And the people who are dancing are enjoying themselves. And they look at the laughter and they look at the gaiety and they say, Oh, but my life was like that. 
And God says, oh, that you would believe. Oh, that you would embrace life, that I have given you life, that you might have it in abundance. And abundance is, is free-flowing. It is gay, it is happy, it is joyous. It is more than this world will give you. Many people want to put up a rope at the entrance and say, only dance if you can meet this criterion. But Jesus comes along and pulls the rope away and says, I've met everyone. Come in. Join us. Be a part. Faith is what brought us into the inheritance of Abraham and his descendants. Now Christians are born of the same faith into the lineage of Abraham's seed, into the lineage of Abraham's heritage. We are birthed in righteousness, and I said this earlier. Romans 4.14 If it is the inherents of the law who are to be the heirs, then faith is made futile and empty of all meaning, and the promise of God is made void. It is annulled and has no power. Now, when you read that verse, it's not saying that that God cannot do what He has promised to do. It means that you are unable to receive what He has already done because you refuse to receive by faith. That's what He's saying. You see, here's the thing that you've got to remember. And I know many will argue, I've said this before, God is not a responder. God is an initiator. God is not a responder. He is an initiator. He initiated the covenant. He initiated the work of salvation. And we respond by faith. Look at the life of Jesus. Look in the Gospels when He walked upon the face of the earth. Did He initiate anything? Did He really? Did Jesus initiate anything when He walked the earth? Ah, I see some of you know. No! Go read John. He says, I didn't even say a word. He didn't initiate anything. Jesus was a responder. He responded to the Father. Not a word left His lips that the Father didn't give Him. Not a step did He take that the Father didn't ordain. He was a responder. And God was the initiator. Now, I want you to understand that Jesus is a template for the life that you live now because you have His life. What does that mean? That means that you are not initiators. Now, you know what? There's a lot of guilt in trying to be an initiator. A whole lot of guilt there because we never feel like we can do enough. We never feel like we can get it done. And if we don't, it won't, right? I want to tell you something. God is the initiator. And if you want to live a full life, yes, you can sit on your blessed assurance, as they say, and not do anything. But that's not the life God gave you. It's not natural. It's not natural for the child of God to be lazy. That's not what we're talking about here. It's natural for a healthy child to get up and move, isn't it? Now, Peter, you'd take your kid to the hospital if he just stopped moving, wouldn't you? I guarantee you. <laughs> that ain't going to happen until he's asleep. The truth of the matter is that a healthy child moves. And when God makes a child, He makes a child to be active in the work of God. The path that He's laid before him is an active work. 
And the joy of us, the joy, the actual nurture of the child of God is obedience. I know it's a bad word in some circles, but that's the truth. It's us literally yielding to the will of God, participating in the plan of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, going forth for the glory of God. That's it. It's all Him. It is all Him. Now, if we are made righteous by what we do, then God would be responding to what we do, right? And faith would be worthless. We wouldn't have to believe Him to do anything but to respond to our behavior. And that is what we initiate with Him when we come to Him and say, Just tell us what to do. Just tell us what to do. I need a law. Give me a law. I need a plan. I need a paradigm that says, If I do this, you'll do that. Does that sound like a covenant? Well, isn't it frustrating that God doesn't work that way? I have copied over, I don't know how many paradigms and methodologies. And guess what? I was the fly in the ointment. They never seemed to work for me. It's always something I didn't do right. I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. I can't even get that done. You see, the truth of the matter is that God's bringing me along, not my plans and not my methodologies. And while He may bring those things into my life and use them, then I need to know the truth that it is God who makes this thing happen. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.